add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Folks, welcome to the latest episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I hope you've had a wonderful week so far. If you ran the marathon, you'll be sore and tender and cranky, but that's perfectly normal. A really big well done. If you're thinking of running the marathon next year, sign up soon because, as always, it's going to sell out really, really, really quickly. Um, folks, on this week's episode, I am delighted to be joined in studio by elite performance nutritionist Daniel Davey. You'll have seen his face all over bookstores over the last couple of weeks with his wonderful new book. I've been cooking from it for the past couple of weeks. I'm delighted he's come into the studio to give us some tips and tools and tricks on how we can improve the food that we eat, how we can cook better, which is crucial. And also, I'm going to pick his brains about tips for performance and sport and exercise generally. What we should be eating before the gym, during the gym and after the gym. Daniel Davey, welcome. How's it going? Thank you very much. Really happy to be here. So, author, how does it feel? Uh, I'm becoming a little bit more comfortable with it. Uh, the first couple of weeks was was strange and, and even signing books and things like that was, um, was something I... I didn't ever think I'd do so doing it was was a little bit strange but it's been a very very positive experience I mean even from from um, even the connections I would have made along the along the way whether it be like little things like this where I, I'm meeting other people in the in the health industry um, but even uh, contact from home and family and stuff like that it's been it's been very very nice and was that something you always wanted to do uh, the simple answer is is I wasn't sure. I it was something that was out there as um, as an idea uh, for for quite some time, and I did a couple of years ago write down some ideas around a recipe book, uh, a recipe nutrition book. But uh, I I guess the other thing is that I I never anticipated the amount of work that was involved in it. I mean, it's a it's a huge, huge, huge project, and. Um, it's not just one iteration. Like you, you end up doing so many drafts. I mean, I have no idea how many drafts I I, I did, and it, you know, at beginning to end, it was well over a year. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Books are hard work. They are. Yeah, very, people, very under, hard work. people can underestimate that. Where Where did your love from food come from? So tell us about your background a little bit. How did you get into being a performance uh, nutritionist at such a high level? And I got a name check here purely because it's so impressive. But it, Lencer. Dublin GAA, like really the highest level of performance. How did you get into that? Uh, well, I, I guess the, the first question, love of food, uh, it was actually writing the book when you have to sit down and you have to write down what your philosophy is and where your beliefs around food uh, come from that you start to really reflect. And then you start to realize very quickly about all of the different people all around you that, that influence you and have an impact on you. Starting with your grandparents, uh, your siblings, your mother, your father, 
Um, and then all along the way, when you're exposed to different work environments and different sports teams, and uh, and even recently, uh, I, I told the story about one of my neighbours who was an absolutely brilliant footballer, up and coming star in the in the local area, and uh, his name is Sean Davy. And from the age of of sixteen, he was playing in minor teams. And you start to see that there's there's a lot of people around you that act as role models. They mightn't even realise themselves. But my grandmother would have asked his mother to find out what he was eating for breakfast. And all of those little things along the way influenced me. Uh, and my, my grandmother, you know, she, she, she was picking um, vegetables from the garden. I got the eggs from, from the hen house. And it, it was all of those little things along the way. Uh, and I mentioned it in my book that at mealtimes with my family were like little celebrations. You know, it was what the farm could provide. It was something that she did um, when she was putting recipes together. And it was the same with my my, my mother, um, less so my dad, but um, he was, in a very positive way, he was the enforcer. So he was somebody who... Ins- the enforcer? Yeah, it's yeah. It's a big word. It is, it is. <laughs> but he really laid down the law around the value of food. So we didn't waste food on our plate and we didn't waste food, um, you know, anything that was in the fridge was always eaten. And I, I, I distinctly remember when we would be at my, my my dad is heavily involved in drama we could be coming home from a play or we'd be coming home from a football match and I would want to stop and get a takeaway and that was right into my teenage years and he always said no you'll get something better at home and, and he didn't do it in a mean way that that was just his value and, and you realise that with time that's what impacts you and that's who you eventually become so that's a part of where the the love around food and the values around food uh, were formed and I guess the other element that was I mean massive in my life was sport and I wanted to play to the highest level I wanted to perform to the absolute best that I could and I knew from a very young age that nutrition had a a major role to to play in that Um, and then while I wanted to participate in sport and, and perform as well as I could, I wanted to share that information. I wanted my teammates to learn. I wanted management to understand it. Uh, and I, I, I wanted to share all of those things. And I think early on, my biggest challenge was the fact that I talked too much about it. <laughs> and, I, and I learned that that's actually a really negative thing too. You know, that if, talking about it too much can actually push people away. And how do you go from... from, from transforming your teammates and your your team environment to being Leinster and Dublin GAA nutritionists? Well, I, you know, I guess I, I do get asked that question uh, a lot. And uh, to any young performance or aspiring performance nutritionist, I, I, I really try and talk about the formative years before that, the amount of hard work that, um, that is involved in first getting the level of knowledge uh, that's necessary to work in those environments. And then... Uh, accepting that your first job or maybe your first two or three jobs are not going to be exactly what you want and that you have to continue to build your experience around that. So um, on reflection, uh, the jobs that I did were also really important. I worked in the setup of a performance nutrition supplement brand. Uh, I learned about business. I learned about uh, supplement ingredients. I learned about communicating simple messages. Um, And I learned a lot about research around that space, which was a a massive advantage for me as, as time went on. But 
all the time in the back of my mind, I wanted to work as a performance nutritionist. So I was doing uh, small, I mean, I was doing talks and I was doing work with local club teams. I was continued to work with my own club team um, and it, it built from there. So all of those little things, it's about uh, getting the experience, building your portfolio and and absolutely developing relationships because the people who I worked with in each one of those environments are people who I went on to work with for for years after that. Uh, So uh, it was about building that experience, building your knowledge. And with time, then uh, you get yourself into a position where you can actually apply for these jobs and you need to deliver when you get that opportunity. That is for sure. I can imagine the Mm. the pressure at the level that you were at is Mm. huge because you've got to, you've got teams whose players presumably are OCD is probably a little bit strong, but they want the very, very, very best. They do, they do, and they they want it in a very uh, consumable. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just joking about how, how many uh, puns and uh, <laughs> they, they come into it, but they do. They want it in a very simplified manner where they want the science. They want to be able to trust that this is from a science base, uh, but they want it in practical terms. So your efficiency around that is is critical. And their time as well, they want to invest in their analysis. They want to invest in their, their training and um, recovery and other every other aspect. So you need to make sure that your information is very precise and accurate. So communication is a big thing for you. And you like to chat. So uh, I came across you originally on Instagram. Uh, it was It's a perfect place for someone who likes to do both of those things. And Food Flickr built into a huge brand within itself, I suppose. And then recently you've changed. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, th- I guess thanks for asking because uh, it wasn't a, an easy decision because I'd put a lot of time into building up Food Flickr as an online uh, platform. Uh, with time, I realized that, uh, like you mentioned, talking and relationships with people are very important for a, a brand or for a concept to develop further. So I wanted to talk a lot more about nutrition, and that's what um, is is really important to me. And I found that Food Flicker was mainly known uh, as something that was just related to food and recipes, whereas that's kind of the end product for me. Uh, the platform and the the pillars around nutrition and nutrition science are what, I, I guess, that that's my bread and butter. That's what I like to talk about. And uh, it, it needed to evolve. And, and also from a business point of view, I've, you know, I've, I've given out a lot of information, I've given out a lot of recipes and meal ideas, and my new business will be about uh, trying in some way to to develop a, a commercial aspect to it, but still deliver a really, really excellent service and still provide a lot of very good quality evidence-based nutrition information. Of course, that, the challenge is very much that, because uh, giving some, some stuff away on Instagram or on social media is fantastic. But I see people all the time who... In the fitness space and in the food space, they give everything away. And you're an expert. You have to need to get, you know, you need to get paid for what you do. Yeah. That, that, and that's important. Yeah. Um so so let's chat about food then. In, and let's break it down to really di- <laughs> I did it digestible. There we go. I've done it three times. <laughs> I've done it three three times already. Yeah. I was determined I wasn't gonna do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, right, put over. Um three 
kind of sections, I suppose, pre-workout, during the workout, and post-workout, what our listeners should be eating to ensure they get the very best from their workouts, whether they are just starting off on a couch to 5K or, at, you know, marathon running or whatever, but kind of blanket tips, I suppose, if that's if that's feasible for the, the three different types. Before the gym, what should people be eating, time frames on it, and, you know, what's the best stuff to be taking on board? I guess the first thing is that uh, the intensity of exercise that you're doing will heavily dictate or depend on then what food choices that you make in, in preparation. So you need something that is very easy to digest if you're going to uh, be performing high intensity exercise like GA athletes or rugby or soccer or basketball. Going to the gym is slightly different. Um, your heart rate isn't going to be as high. Uh, there isn't as many GI challenges, so gastrointestinal challenges. And uh, the timing isn't just as critical. So from uh, one hour to two hours is a period, is the window when you can eat pre-gym. And that should be um, a carbohydrate-protein combination. So carbohydrate foods being, uh, you know, your rice and your pa pasta, uh, bread, potatoes, and your proteins being a fish or chicken, or if from a vegan point of view, pulses, nuts and seeds. And uh, it, it's, it, is, it should be also, it should be consumable, it should be tasty, um, and it shouldn't be over overly complicated. And I, and I think that with there being a lot of positive things in social media, our, our exposure to different foods and meal ideas, it doesn't always have to be complicated. It can be a chicken sandwich. You know, it can be a banana and a glass of milk. Um, and uh, very often, that's what I'm recommending to my athletes. And there's nothing wrong with that being the consistent thing that people have. It can be overnight oats. It can be yogurt and fruit. It can be a smoothie. Uh, it, of course, we want variety in life, but um, consistency around making sure you have a carbohydrate-protein combination is still the most important thing. And I will also go on and say that we are becoming a little bit over-obsessed about the specific numbers around this. I mean, I get asked so many times, that's actually a core component of why I put in the nutrition information in the book is because I get so many questions around it. But if it's 20 grams of protein, or if it's 25 grams of protein, or if it's 30 or 20, it doesn't matter. It really, we're, we're it's the minutiae within nutrition that we don't need to go to. If you've got a good source of protein, if it's 15 or if it's 20 grams, that's sufficient. Um, and it's Which the is same a better, better fist, fist yeah, size. Yeah. yeah, it's a good serving of yogurt. It's a half a chicken breast. It's a scoop of whey. Uh, you know, there's, it's a, it's a, offhand, it's about uh, 150 grams of lentils. You know, it, we, we, we can achieve our need for these uh, nutrition targets quite easily. And just to take a, a step maybe back a, a little bit more, we look again at those specific time periods. What matters most in the context of general health and exercise performance is hitting our total numbers. So our total intake for protein, calories uh, and, and carbohydrate is much, much more important than having 20 grams of protein after training and 20 grams of protein, protein beforehand. Think about the, the bigger picture all the time when it comes to nutrition. Okay. Uh, Pre-workout supplements. Very popular, very trendy. Are they necessary? I, That's a horrible I, question. No, it's not. Uh, I have a usually have a very simple answer for a lot of these questions that are are very common. It's absolutely not necessary. Your overall nutrition. It's again, it's hard to put specific numbers on it, but we're talking about ninety nine percent of 
your nutrition goals can be met by achieving your needs for, like I mentioned, your carbohydrate, protein, fat, and calories. Calories. Um, things like pre-workouts can be used um, as a, from a performance point of view. Uh, things like caffeine are, are obviously the main thing. It's the main stimulant in a in a in a pre-workout, and you can you can use a espresso. You can use a cup of coffee. You can have a you know, cup of tea and you can still have a certain element of stimulation without going and spending 30 40 whatever euros on a, on on drinks that are are not necessary okay during the workout then so, you, so pre-workout uh one to two hours beforehand protein and carbohydrates together simplify it don't go mental uh during the workout then Fluid, water, water, drinks. water, water, and I will use from time to time, I will use a sports drink with my athletes who have large energy demands um, or who are very salty and very heavy sweaters. So they lose a lot of liquid uh, and that kind of situation, an electrolyte drink may be, may be relevant, but most of the time water is, is absolutely fine. You mentioned sweating there. I'm going to bring up the Irish rugby team because I've been sure. all watching them over the course of yeah. the World Cup. Sweat rates. I had a client who's just back from there. She said she was in the stadium for one of the matches and she's never sweated so much in mm. all her life. And she was standing there chanting. Uh, the sweat rates during the likes of matches like that in the yeah, World Cup and that humidity must be... Yeah. Like, what would we be talking roughly over over a match in terms of volume? Yeah, I, I mean, I have seen in warm weather conditions, at, like one particular athlete I know lost uh, like 4.8, nearly 5 kilos of body weight uh, in a in, in a 80-minute game. And those, I mean, it wasn't 30 degrees and the humidity wasn't anything like what you're seeing out in, in, in Japan. So... That's an, an enormous amount of fluid. And if you look at performance over that particular, you know, high intensity, focus, concentration, all of these elements, we know that if you can offset that kind of loss of fluid, that that will absolutely impact your performance uh, for, for the better. So uh, strategies around maintaining fluids would be definitely something that I look at in huge detail uh, and the greater the access to fluids during those high intensity uh, sessions or games is, is is critical. So finding bottles and ways that you can get fluids onto the pitch as quickly as possible. Those are the kind of practical things that you're looking at all the time. From a, Again, it's all about just trying to offset fatigue and maintain on-field performance. Folks, you're listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. On today's episode, we are picking the brains of performance nutritionist Daniel Davey. Um, let's talk about post-workout then. So one of the, and I, I read your stuff, I follow your stuff, you keep things very simple. And I love that because on the show, that's what we try and do, make it as easy as possible possible for people so far. Um, post-workout then, let's chat about that, the timing maybe uh, of the food and what kind of food you should be taking on board. It, 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 again, it really does depend on how hard you've trained and it depends on what your actual goal is. So let's say you're, you're a GAA athlete uh, and you're looking for improvements in strength, you're looking to increase lean mass, then replacing the energy that you've expended uh, and getting a protein-carbohydrate uh, recovery meal in like, within 90 minutes is is important uh, and that can be beans on and uh, and baked potato you know again it can be 
toast and scrambled eggs and beans again it doesn't need to be overly complicated you don't have to be making some very fancy quinoa Moroccan dish uh, when you've come in and you, you're trying to get to bed within an hour uh, smoothies again work absolutely brilliantly however if you're looking at creating a calorie deficit and uh, you still want those adaptations of strength and improved functionality uh, but you're looking to reduce your body fat then your meal when you get home is sufficient to recover optimally and uh, get the most from that session. Uh, so that can, again, that can be a, a dish where it can be a chicken curry and some and some rice. It can be, uh, it can be a salad. It can be a baked dish. It can be a chili con carne. You know, again, it, you don't need to be looking for the twenty grams of protein from your protein shake and. Uh, and, and, and your flavored milker. It's, so it's very, very dependent. And the emphasis on nutrient timing has shifted uh, depending on the time available. So if, you do, if you're not training again within 24 hours or if the session hasn't been overly intense, then uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's the total intake over 24 hours that matters most. So we don't need to, again, get too obsessed or think that we're wasting away or that we're going to have some major stress response because we haven't had something <laughs> to eat within an hour after training. Okay, so simplify it. And if weight loss is your thing, it's calorie deficit. And that's the thing to track. And absolutely hitting your protein need. I mean, that, that is important for appetite regulation and it is important for your overall recovery and maintenance of muscle mass. And I think if I was to... If I was to Look at one misconception or misunderstanding that I see more than anything else. It's that people talk about weight when they should be talking about fat loss. That comes up over and over and over where we absolutely, I talk about muscle being the currency for well-being and health, uh, and we need to protect that. So we protect it by getting sufficient protein and we get it by doing sufficient uh, resistance exercise. And protein or DA, so the recommended daily amount people should be taking on board. For I'll, ask, I'll, I'll break it down a little bit. So for Mary, uh, who has just started training for a 5K and wants to lose some weight, uh, what should she be taking on board? Uh, okay, so there are there are very different ranges depending on a person's goal. I, I, I standardize it for most people about two grams per kilo. Having said that, that's that's because I think you're going to manage your appetite a little bit better, and I think that from a from an overall recovery point of view and for a maintenance of lean mass point of view, th those are the type of numbers that have been shown to be beneficial. Having said that, for general well-being and for general health, I think in and around 1.4 to 1.7 grams of protein is is generally sufficient you know we we can do most of what we need based off those uh, kind of protein targets uh, anything above 2.4 i think we're kind of we're going into the unnecessarily high category and uh, appease my fascination now high-end rugby players what are they taking on board well, remember of, that these are yeah i mean it's still in and around two grams of protein per oh. kilo but remember you know there's some guys there are over 120 kilos so it's nearly as much as 250 grams of protein and uh, that's a lot of chicken that's a G lot give of us eggs. chicken breasts 
So an average chicken Hopefully. breast, average chicken breast is going to give you between thirty-five and you know maybe forty grams of protein. So seven to eight chicken. Breasts. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of chicken. It's a lot of eggs. It's a <laughs> lot of milk. You know, I I would have certain young athletes that would definitely be drinking a liter of milk a day along with uh, their five meals. So it's a. Uh, it's a lot of energy, but the, you know, they're expending some. Some days they could expend fifteen hundred calories in training alone. So wow. that, on top of their own needs, you're looking at an average intake of maybe four thousand calories. Wow. Mm. Are there any? We've looked at the three different ty- times, I suppose, when people when people uh, move and what they should eat around that, which is brilliant. Are there any con- misconceptions or myths or bugbears when it comes to nutrition? that you see people talking about that you think that's just nonsense or whatever. Everyone has them. Anyone who bring in it who's an expert, they always have them. And I'm intrigued to see like if there's anything out there that you say, Dude, that's just, you know, people don't need this or they don't need to eat. Certainly one definitely seems to be, seems to be the obsession with with uh, numbers and the fact that your your whole thing of get, get your total daily amount, brilliant. Mm. Really simple, really effective. Mm. And it totally kind of, it totally... Um, takes a sting out of that i suppose is there anything else the answer is no because there's just so many that come across that i come across in my my q a's and uh, when i'm engaging with people or if i'm doing events i get so many questions or i get so many misconceptions that there's not one specific one that i can say comes up all the time i i, I find it very very interesting how how much debate and how controversial certain things within nutrition can be. Uh, That's what probably amuses me the most and how many different elements of culture and belief and politics are are coming into nutrition. So, you know, things like the ketogenic diet, things like intermittent fasting, all of those are the type of things that people feel so strongly about because they work for them and uh, I learned from a from a good friend of mine and from doing a lot of reading within uh, nutrition science is that you you cannot base your opinion just on personal experience uh, and just because something works really effectively for you doesn't mean that everybody should avoid dairy it doesn't mean that everyone should avoid wheat because they feel that they've they're bloated or you know so there's a there's a huge number of misconceptions that are based on personal bias and personal experience how much time do you put into social media because i know how much time i put into it and i watch your son all the q a's and stuff you do the very similar it must take a huge amount of time it does uh, i'm not going to lie uh, it takes probably at the moment um it takes more of my time than it should uh, but i do try and uh, section it off so if i was to say an average it would be between two and three hours on some days so the days where i'm um that i have more flexibility that i'm I'm not working with my teams i will invest a bit more time in it the the uh, the thing is though it's been an incredibly positive experience i think i'm very very fortunate about that from that point of view i share me cooking my meals which doesn't take away anything from my own uh, my own commitments or my own social life or 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 my own time it's something that i'm sharing so that's that's a really positive thing and the other thing is that uh, i i don't I, I so many 
people uh, talk about the negativity around social media and um, people, the, you know, things like online, I don't, uh, maybe online abuse, maybe that's what you hear about. I haven't had that experience. I'm very, very fortunate uh, that the way that people engage with me is in a very, very positive way. And they share their experiences with me. They share the meals that work well and um, the things that they've learned. And that, that's, been, that's made my commitment and investment in that time a lot easier. And if people wanted to follow you online, where did they go? Uh, at Davy Nutrition is my new handle, and uh, I have a new website coming out very soon, which will um, have a lot more detail and what we're talking about. So you'll be able to create your own recipe plans and okay. read more articles and things like that. And the book is available in all book sources. Remind us of the name of the book again. Yeah, so it's uh, Eat Up, Raise Your Game. Um, and just a very quick side note on that. Uh, it was a very, obviously it was difficult to find a, a name, but I kept, kept going back to what I was told when I was a kid, eat up. And I think there's too much reductionism in, in nutrition. We're talking about what we should take away and what we should cut out. And for me, it's what we can add in and what we can do better within our diet. Love it. Yeah. Daniel David, thank you so much for coming in to uh, Independent House today and chatting to us on the Real Health Podcast. Folks, you have been listening to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, if you have any questions or guest ideas or tips or feedback or anything whatsoever, you know where we are. It's realhealth at independent.ie or at PT on Twitter and on Instagram. As ever, please rate, review and share the podcast if you know anyone who would like uh, to hear the content that we're chatting about. Have a wonderful week and we shall see you soon. Salam. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.